love that song. Man, I love that song. Welcome to the Jody Seely Show podcast. And a huge thank you to the incredible Dustin Farr, the writer and creator of that song, We Are Alberta, as we launch a brand new series on the Jody Seely podcast show called Amazing Albertans. Dustin is one of those. Thank you again, my friend, for that incredible song. Make sure you find him on your social media and follow him and download that music. Fantastical. Okay, are you ready? We are launching this series starting today with our very first guest. Let's get at it. Well, welcome to the Jody Seely Show podcast. Our special guest on this week's show is none other than Corb Lund. Welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, how are you? I'm good. So we're doing a series called Amazing Albertans, and you, my friend, were on the list. What do you think about being called an Amazing Albertan? Uh, I think you should aim a little higher. <laughs> well, you're the first one, so I guess that technically is the first step, right? <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate it. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 guess, I guess that's a compliment. I don't know... Uh, it doesn't seem amazing, but thanks. Well, well, we think that you are, and we appreciate all that you've done. If you were to think about, and I know you probably see yourself more as a Canadian, and I know you have family roots uh, in the U.S. as well, but I think in Alberta we we claim you as ours for sure. What does what does Alberta mean to you? I actually feel I feel more like a Western Canadian than a Canadian, frankly. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, uh, I guess we've been here six generations. My triple great grandpa came here in late 1800s. So yeah, I, I feel pretty rooted here. And, and both sides of the family are from Alberta for many generations ranching. So yeah, I feel pretty, pretty at home here. I think that probably has something to do with the, how much I sing about this region and our way of life. Cause I, I, I know people who have a very diverse background and that's kind of cool too in its own way, but, the way the dice rolled, mine is not. It's very uniform on both sides. Both sides came out from Utah around the turn of the century and have been ranching up here ever since. So yeah, I feel I feel very grounded here. And it's interesting because a lot of our um, I've I've discovered that a lot of my uh, you know Western content in my music it translates all the way down to the Rockies, all the way to Texas and Oklahoma. So it's, it's pretty neat. What sort of cool how it there's not necessarily a border. It's it's more of a a lifestyle per se. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it has a lot to do with the geography and, and the fact that the it's a lot younger out here and the power centers out east. So you call your I gotta know if you would, you made your own genre of music that you called agriculture tragic and that is what you've named your new album that has just come out in the last couple of weeks. What what does that exactly mean? Well, it's kind of tongue in cheek, but yeah, yeah, we don't really fit very well in any of the categories. Like we're obviously not radio country, and there's a lot of different sort of underground country genres, like Red Dirt down in Texas, and and there's uh, Americana, and there's Roots, and there's Outlaw Country, and there's all these genres, but very very few of them have actual rural content in the lyrics. Like there's lip service about pickup trucks and stuff, but there's there's very few people writing music that has actual agricultural or rural or cowboy content in it. There's a few, but not many. So yeah, it's kind of a joke. But it's it's kind of true too. Like it's it's 
agricultural tragic is sort of what I just spontaneously started calling my stuff in inter interviews a number of years ago because I didn't really know what else to call it. But I think if you're involved in the agricultural community, you would you would feel that same kind of thing because I think anytime you have a conversation with anybody who farms or ranches or any of those pieces, uh, it has a lot of tragedy woven into it all the time because everything's based on weather and markets and it's kind of a volatile little industry. <laughs> yeah, true. A lot of my music has has uh, shades of human human frailty or you know classic Greek flaws and character flaws and that kind of stuff in it. So even the fun songs, if you look deep enough, there's usually a a thread of a thread of uh, tragedy in there. You're kind of like um, a country and western Shakespeare. Huh. Well, he used to invent his own words too, so I guess we're on the same page there. <laughs> I I feel like it for sure. Would you, you know that paint? You know that paint? You know that painting? Sorry, you know that painting, American Gothic. Yeah. It's kind of a it's kind of meant to mirror that that kind of a, a, a word structure. <laughs> Why? It's, kind of, it's, it's meant to be, it's meant to be a genre. Yeah, it works. Now, do you think? Because I I feel like if if people really listen. Um, I mean, sometimes I think it depends what kind of listener you are to music. Some people like to listen to the sound and the beat and the melody and what that looks like. And other people are really lyrical based. And if you dive into the lyrics of most of your songs, Corb, there's like you were saying, there's a there's a meaning, there's a message, there's a thing. Would you consider yourself kind of like an activist? No, not at all. I, I um well, maybe a very mild one. But I think there's, um, I don't know, in this day and age of everything being so goddamn political all the time, I think that, a couple things, I think that uh, there's a, a real need in the human psyche for for uh, a level of nourishment that's not met by current event stuff. And like, people have a tendency these days to politicize everything, but that, that's not how the human psyche works. There's there's really deep parts of it that need to be nourished by other things like art, and I think that's a really important thing. And I respect people who are who are very strident and and uh, political in their music, but that's not me. Like the other thing about it is I do have messages in the music, but I find that it's more effective to uh, let them slide, let the medicine slide down easily with a little levity. Sometimes, like you don't really change very many people's minds about things by screaming at them, right? And yeah. I see a lot of artists doing that on both sides of the political fence, frankly. And I really don't think they're convincing anybody other than preaching to the choir in their own specific, you know, specific situations. But I, I I think that um, a little bit of goodwill and a little bit of levity and a little bit of humor goes a long way in, in, in you know making people more open to listening to what you're trying to say. But a lot of my messages are quite subtle, and they're and they're they don't have they don't always have to do with day to day life, per se. Some of them do, but I I feel kind of perpendicular to modern pop politics. I don't I don't really fit in any of the categories. I think they're all full of shit. <laughs> Hundred percent. And I think Both that sides. mirrors. I feel like that mirrors how you you've approached a music industry as an artist, because like you said off the top, there wasn't a specific genre that you fit in, and you've You've had the, I guess, the success, for lack of a better term, of being somebody who's received multiple awards over the years or, or nominations into these award categories. And 
that's probably not ever been, it's a great goal to have, but has that been sort of your focus ever? No. I remember you saying that in one of your acceptance speeches. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a compliment, and it's a, I guess it's a good yardstick. And it's also, you know, the the uh, promotion department at my record label likes it. And that's, that's, <laughs> and that's it's cool. That's an important part of building a career and stuff. But no, I the, the answer is no. Awards are the last thing on my mind when I'm writing. Uh, yeah. Because that, that stuff comes and goes, right? But, yeah. but it's like, it's, um, my, my whole goal in this when I started a thousand years ago was, was to create a body of work that I can look back at and be proud of. And I'm, I'm kind of lucky because I, I don't know, you read musician bio, biographies and stuff and you hear about how, you know, they went to Nashville, or they went to Los Angeles, or they went to New York and the producer, the producer wanted to change the music and the record label wanted them to change the music and the manager wanted them to change the music. I'm fortunate because I've never had any of that at all. Like I've, I've been able to build a living, make an, a career out of just doing pretty much exactly what I want. So yeah. I feel pretty lucky about that. And I feel like, I feel like my audience has grown to trust me that, you know, if I, if I tackle a particular topic in a song, I'm going to treat it fairly and, and, and authentically, you know. So I, and I think they've come to expect me to, to have a lot of um, left field moments, and uh, you know, I color outside the lines a lot and sing about things that a lot of people don't think about. So I, I think, I think that's pretty cool that I'm, and I'm, I'm very lucky to be able to have um, built a career on doing exactly what I want musically, artistically. And what would your your definition of success in this be? Well, I mean. You gotta pay the rent, right? But <laughs> yeah. Beyond that, like, it's mostly about reaching people with the music and, and, well, but it's two, twofold, I guess. Part, partly, first I gotta, first step is to please myself. I have, I don't release anything that I don't like. But then after that part, so the first step is, you know, creating stuff that I'm happy with. And the second part is, is reaching people with it and, and have it resonate with them. And I'm especially, I'm especially proud of my audience that it's very diverse. Like I have a lot of people, probably half the audience are, you know, rural people, cowboys and ranchers and ag people. And the other half are urban people who might listen to Steve Earle or something like that who have no background in what I'm singing about. But it's, it's, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that I have an audience that can be cowboys and punk rockers and old people and young people and, yeah, it's good because I think that's important these days. Now, you have have said in in interviews that I've seen over the last little bit that this body of work, this new album, Agricultural Tragic, is like the hardest you've worked, and and you feel like it's some of the best work you've done. Uh, unpack that for us a little bit of of how that process was, and and why was this that body of work that hit this level yeah. for you? Yeah, well, I think it's our ninth studio record of original music or 10th, I can't remember. But it's like after a while, it's been five years since our last one. And it's kind of, um, after that many records, you start to, like, I am i don't like repeating myself and I, I want to keep it interesting and I want it to keep it fresh and, and relevant. And so I kind of went through a period of a couple of years where I couldn't really, I couldn't really write anything. I was kind of stuck because I felt like I said everything I wanted to say. And I was kind of floating around. But then we sort of had a turning point. I got new management and, and my band and I started playing music again together. I mean, we were touring the whole time through that, but we hadn't written much. 
And I don't know, I just sort of hit my stride and got a second wind and ended up being really enthused. And the guys in the band have lots of morale and are, we're all having a lot of fun. And, and like we, I, I wrote way more songs than I normally write for a record. And, and we, we put a lot more time into rehearsals with the band than normal. And I spent a lot more time researching sonic possibilities for the way the record's going to sound. And so, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just kind of, we, I was floating around and kind of lost for a while. And then I got a second wind and we really come back guns a blazing. And yeah, I, I think this is one of our better records. I've had the opportunity to listen to it in its entirety since last time we chatted. And I would agree with you. This is, this is my favorite sounding album that you have done. Okay. And I've, and I've listened to all of them over the years for <laughs> sure. It just, it, it does have a really unique sort of, uh, feel to it. It's got a lot of energy in it. And, and you I can't really, you can't really fake that with studio musicians and fancy computer tricks. That's just like, there's some kind of voodoo black magic that goes on. <laughs> if there's good, if there's good vibes going on in the studio, in the studio and you, everybody's having a good time, if you could, it translates to the music. And we tried to, like my band and I have been together so long that we have a pretty distinct band sound. We've played some thousands of shows together. And it's like, um, we, I really wanted to capture that energy. Like I wanted it to sound big and professional and everything, but I wanted it to sound raw too at the same time and sound like what we sound like when we play. And I think we achieved that. It's got a real raw energy to it. Well, and I think that it's, that's the interesting, I would feel, because I mean, obviously I have no idea, but from a, a production sort of perspective is, is anybody who's gone to see your show live, you have a very distinct energy and a feel and that, that live show I think is what probably captured more fans for you over the years than even uh, albums being put out because you just put on such a good show. And so how do you capture that and put it into a studio album? A big part of it is, not, is playing stuff live. Like well, you, can go in, you can go in and put the drums down and then put the bass on top of it, and then put the guitars on, and then sing over it in layers like that. A lot of people do that. that when they make a really slick record, that's how they do it. They do it, uh, you know, layering it one at a time. But but we don't do that. We play all at the same time, like basically just playing live. And and then you can also, you know what an overdub is? That's where you put, you know, extra guitar part after, or you put some, you know, put a piano on over top after, or whatever, add stuff to it. We did a little bit, but very, very little of that. So... So I think the answer to your question, to capture the live sound on record, you just just get the four guys in a room and play the song instead <laughs> of doing doing it all fancy fancy and computer yeah. tricks and all that. Which I think again is is the nice blessing that you have said you you get in your career that you have a team that allowed you to go in and do that and that I you hear that on it honestly it feels it has a really cool energy to it. Yeah, well, I'm sort of in a position where no one allows me to. I mean, I I do what I want. Yeah. Like, there's no one. Yeah. yeah, there's no one with there to allow me or not to allow me. It's pretty much my call. But yeah, the cool the cool thing is, you can't necessarily get that kind of live energy with a bunch of guys that don't know each other that that you just throw together to make a record. Even even if they're really good players, sometimes you don't get that energy that you get when. Like my my guys have been with me so long, and they're, they're all outstanding musicians too. So we not all bands can play live as well as my band can. So we sort of try to take advantage of that. Yeah, and I've always wondered that being you know from the outside looking in, as you know, and you've met say if you've followed certain singers and their bands over the years, and you know that they play with them, but you know their album was done with totally different people. Like that must be a weird feeling for the band members. <laughs> yeah, it's a different. 
vibe for sure. Like, I mean, a lot of people do that. Like a lot of, almost, I would venture to say probably almost all the radio, country radio is done like that. They have professional studio musicians in Nashville and, and they do most of the recording sessions. And that's usually different than the live band. Not always, but often. But I, yeah, it depends what you're after. Like, I'm not trying to sound like a radio band. If I did, it'd be a different approach, but I, I'm trying to sound like myself, so. What do you feel is your uh, biggest highlight to date in your career? Mm, no, I don't really, don't really, don't even answer for that. There's too many things. <laughs> too many things. I, I, yeah, I put you on my, the spot with that. I know I do. <laughs> my career, my career has been a, a long, slow burn. Like I don't, I don't have any moment that, like some people, it, it happens that way in show business. Sometimes I was playing a nightclub and, you know, Chris Christopherson saw me and I got signed to a label and it all exploded. It, it's never been like that for me. I, I'm still waiting for that, frankly. <laughs> but yeah. but uh, it's never been, it's been a, just a sort of a smooth series of, you know, build, building blocks along the way. Like, you know, I, I guess getting to know Ian Tyson has been a highlight over the years. He's a good friend. Yeah. And, um, you know, playing overseas is great and getting such a good response from Amer Western American audiences is cool just because, I mean, my Canadian audiences have been great all along, but it's, it's been interesting and fulfilling to see that it tra the, the message translates to the Americans down there too. Cause I, that's where my ancestors are from. So it's kind of cool. I, I have very deep cowboy roots down there. So it's cool that the music works for those people too. Playing NFR is always a highlight in Vegas every year. I don't know if there's going to be a rodeo this year, but hopefully. Yeah, well, we know there's not going to be a CFR. You played it that last year. It was yeah, really yeah. Fun. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to do in Vegas this year because there's, there's some rodeos going on in the States, not not a lot, but I, I, I don't know if they'll try and cobble together a finals. Hopefully, yeah. but we'll see. Yeah, who knows? It's, 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 a, it's like a whole different uh, a whole different ball game down there. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty weird. We we were supposed to be on tour for months and months and months, and we started we went we started in Texas and New Mexico and um, Mid March, we we had like four months of dates. We I think we were in one weekend and we got sent home. So yeah. Now, when it comes to the new album, people can now access access that everywhere they access music anymore. Do you have a? Is it's probably like asking a parent if they have a favorite child, but do you have a like a favorite song on the album? Um, there's two or three. I like I really like 90 Seconds of Your Time. That's about the hunting trip I went on when my guide wanted to shoot some people. That was, <laughs> that was, yeah. that's a, I like that one. And I like the one about my mom, never not had horses. Yeah. Yeah. I think probably those two. And I like, I like, there's one called ranch and ride and romance, two out of three ain't bad. It's kind of a Texas dance hall shuffle. I like that one. Yeah. And what does your mom think of the song about her? Uh, it's funny because I was at a branding in Saskatchewan last week and, and I played that song for them and I, after the branding and I told them that I made my mom cry. <laughs> One of the cowboys was like, yeah, I know what you mean. I'll make my mom cry a lot too. <laughs> <laughs> she like, but for totally different reasons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but she, no, she liked it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the video, have you seen the video? No. It's really neat. It's all footage of her uh, uh, old pictures and, and the footage of her on horseback as a kid. Your life. Oh, that's really cool. And just yeah, a neat way to, I guess, give a glimpse into your your personal family life to a fan. It's always one of those like you want to open yourself up and be vulnerable and 
and transparent with your fans, but it's also probably a little bit scary. Uh, not really. I didn't find it scary. Oh, that's you mean good. That, you, you mean that song, or? No, just opening up to people. Um, you mean in songs, like through songs? Through songs, or sharing photos, or any way that yeah, any way no, that you it would. Wasn't, wasn't not really. I mean, it's you. you after a while, as a songwriter, like when I was a kid writing songs, the first few are scary because you don't know if people are going to like them. But after a while, you you don't really. At least I don't really. I I just get them to how I feel like they're good, and I put them out. Like it's, I don't really feel that scared about it. No, this is the part where I try to get you to talk about your feelings. You know. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I I'm I, I'm scared about a lot of things in the world, but that's not not really one of them. Yeah. Like I feel I feel like. When you write when you write stuff like by the time I play it on stage, like I, I've played the song so many times because you know you're rehearsing it and you're recording it, and like it's kind of becomes like I don't relive the emotions of every song every time I play them. Occasionally, occasionally I do. Sometimes some something will hit you on the twelfth night of the tour and you're playing the sixteenth song, something will hit you. But it's more like um, I'm I'm feeling it more when I'm writing them when I'm than when I'm singing them. I feel I feel different things when I sing them because because there's the added element of the audience, mm-hmm. their energy, so it becomes a kind of a different animal. Yeah. But yeah, I've written a lot of stuff about my dad uh, and my uncles and grandpas and stuff over the years because and I've wanted to write one for about mom for a long time and and uh, I never quite had an angle. But then when she said that when she when we were putting down her last couple ponies. The vet was coming, and she said, "I've never not had horses, so I thought that was a really good sort like, of phrase." Quick, I gotta write that down. Yeah. Yeah, my antennas are always up for yeah that kind of stuff, but but yeah, and she's dad always called her the best horseman in the family. She she was she was really quite uh, talented. And she's uh, she's a ranch girl, so yeah, no, it's it's cool to write one about mom and all the yeah. all the ranch ladies out there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think normally we would, you know, when you end a conversation with someone you you talk a lot about so what are you going to do next but that's kind of a weird open-ended question in our world these days yeah good question <laughs> i've decided I'm, I'm trying to come out of this uh a much better guitar player and i'm also trying to write a bunch of tunes because i usually have to struggle for i tour so much i have to struggle for home time to write so i want to come out of this with a bunch of new tunes and a better guitar player i'm also you know take welding classes i think oh well, those possibly, are always handy. Poss- possibly small engine repair too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just never know. <laughs> yeah, it's, I got a couple holes in my game. I need to. I don't know. I don't know how to skin an animal either. I need to learn that. I've got a, a list of things I want to. Yeah. I want to try and because I got. I've been touring for my whole life, and so there's a lot of stuff that I've wanted to get done that I've never had time. So I'm trying to get a lot of it done during this break. So spend a lot more more time on the ranch with the cattle and fixing fence and stuff. So yeah, it's good. I mean, aside from the financial Armageddon and the yeah. and the uncertainty of releasing a record and not being able to tour it. Aside from those things, when I compartmentalize the you know, the career parts, like I I uh it's kind of alright because I would never have taken a break like this. My summers are always packed, so yeah. it's kind of fun having summer off for once. Yeah. Well when it comes to the the skinning the animal part, if you need a suggestion of a good video, I got stuck having to watch one once. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> I feel like I learned a lot about how to take off a hide and all of those things in just the one of my side hustles is doing music at rodeos and so 
after rodeos, you like kind of decompress. And my business partner put on this video, and it was like skinning and deboning an animal. And I was like, really? Why then? Just for the hell of it? <laughs> I, I feel like that was his way to decompress. I don't know. It was oh, odd, okay. but then I felt like I learned a lot about it. Like I know with the angle yeah. and the, you know, things you have to do with different parts of the hide, and it, it was relatively fascinating. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, well, it's an important part of the chain if you're gonna <laughs> har- harvest yeah. food, right? <laughs> yeah, and I don't think I've ever got to talk about it in an interview before. So <laughs> first time yeah, like for elk. everything. I want to try and harvest an elk this fall. Elk meat, yummy and healthy yeah. too. Absolutely, that's good. So anyway, we appreciate your time in yeah, you uh, catching up with you today and best of luck with this album and, and all the things you have on your list to learn. And maybe we'll have to check in in the fall and see how your prog- welding prog- mechanic progress report? career is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like a live report from wherever you are. Like, where are you right. at with these things? I'll be your accountability partner. Yeah. Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Corb, so much yep. for, for hanging out with us today and, and best of luck. Okay, thanks, Joyce. Okay. Thank you again for tuning in to the new series called Amazing Albertans on the Jody Seeley Show podcast. Once again, a big thank you to the creator of the theme song for this show right now called We Are Alberta, Mr. Dustin Farr. Thank you, my friend. A huge shout-out as well to our producers from Limelight Audio and Media for making this show possible. Devil breathing down our backs But he can go back to hell Cause we'll pick up the 